Welcome to Kishwaukee Bible Church. Well, as you're getting settled, if you want to find in your Bibles 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that's where we're going to hang out for a little while this morning. We'll read it, uh, a section of that in a few minutes. Uh, as Ted mentioned, we're in the midst of an elder series. Uh, we're in week three out of four, a series entitled Living Life Together. Uh, we're considering a few sort of key aspects of what it means to be united together in Christ and to live in relationship with one another as a local body, a local group of Jesus followers. And so this morning we're looking specifically at the fact that we're different. And what does it mean to embrace the differences that we see uh, when we consider those sitting around us and we consider those that we interact with on a, on a regular basis? Uh, and it's interesting because we, we celebrated this last week uh, Independence Day, the 243rd, I think, uh, anniversary of our independence as a nation, and Americans enjoy this great blessing of God's grace to live here. Uh, and, and one of the blessings that has come about because of the way our nation was formed is we have an abundance of local churches. And that's the same here in our community as, as it is in most places around the country. But you know, Kishwaukee Bible Church, church tends to be unique. And you could really probably say that about most of the individual churches. If you spent time there, you'd see how they were different from the others. Why is it that we're unique? What makes us different? And really, it boils down to you and me, to us. The people that are different make the church different. If you haven't heard this before, you need to commit this to memory. The church is not the building. The church is the people. And it's the people that give us our unique flavor. We can, we can spend time talking about church location and doctrine and musical style and all sorts of programs and all the things that on the outside make us different, but when it really boils down to it, all of those things come out of all of us. And so, um, the uniqueness of the people of the church will tend to make the church unique in itself, and um, I assure you, some of you are very unique. <laughs> I can say that because I am too. Um, I, and if I were being completely honest, I probably would admit that I'm not sure this is the group I would have picked if I were building a church from the ground up. But that's okay. Um, this is one of those many examples that I can point to to say, God knows what he's doing and I need to stay out of his way. Um, because that's the way God works and I'm grateful that he does. So, considering the differences that we have and considering how God has built us up and united us and made us one out of many, um, I want to spend some time reflecting on what does that mean? I mean, after all, wouldn't it be easier if we were more alike? Because differences tend to breed conflict. Nobody likes conflict. Perhaps, but I'm not sure easier in that sense is always better. 
A lot of what God does is not easy from our perspective. A lot of what God calls us to, probably most of what God calls us to, is not easy, but it's good. That's why God is God. And, and I want to dive into our text in 1 Corinthians, and as we do it, I want to consider perhaps two reasons why God makes us so different from one another. First, I would propose that our differences magnify our dependence on God. And second, I think our differences mandate our dependence on one another. Our dependence on God and our dependence on one another. And to get a better feel for that, let's read 1 Corinthians in chapter 12. I'm going to start in verse 12 and read through verse 27 if you want to follow along. God's Word says this, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ears should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? Hmm. If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose, If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again can the the head say to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable... We bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving the greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. Pray with me. Father, I'm grateful for this gathering, this local grouping of members of the body of Christ, these parts that are all designed to somehow work together. And thank you that you've brought us together this morning to celebrate the Savior that makes that possible. So Lord, as we look into your word this morning, I pray that you would allow us to see our differences, 
but to celebrate those differences, to, to really understand that those differences are there for a reason, for your reason. And God, I pray that your word would be truth to our ears and that it would be motivation to our hearts and our minds, that we would not just hear it, but that we would do it, that you would cause us to act in response to the truth that you have given us this morning. In Christ's precious name, amen. So consider the idea first that our differences would cause us to be dependent on God. So we read this text together, and the analogy that Paul's using is fairly obvious, right? Drawing an analogy between the physical body as one complete unit and the body of Christ, one complete unit, but made up of many parts. Each individual body, we each have our own, is the same way, right? It's one thing, but it's made up of parts. There's eyes and ears and feet and hands. There's toes and fingers and kneecaps and skulls and all the other things that go into the parts of the body. But when you're sitting in class and the teacher says, is Johnny here today? You don't say, well, sort of. He left a couple of hands and a left foot and an ear, but the rest of him is out playing ball. It doesn't work that way. He's one. He's a complete body, even though he has many parts. And Paul says in verse 12, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. And so somehow, this representation of Jesus Christ works the same way. And, and if the body of Christ is meant to be one, but it's composed of many members, what are these members? Where do they come from? How do we understand this? And verse 13 says, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Just a couple of observations there. First of all, the body of Christ comes from everywhere. Look at that little phrase there, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. It describes groups of people, but it describes everybody. To the Corinthians, the ones who heard this letter the first time, they understood. If you were a Jew, then you were a Jew. But if you weren't a Jew, then you were a Greek or Gentile. Another way to say it. You had to be one or the other. You couldn't fit in the middle somewhere. Same thing with slaves and free. You're either a slave or you're not. There's not a sort of a slave. And so we can see that somehow these parts that make up the whole come from everywhere. But it's not just that they come from everywhere because these groups, these categories, were oil and water categories. They didn't mix. And it's, it's hard for us to get this into our heads. We could say, hey, are you from DeKalb or Sycamore? Are you a Cubs fan or a Sox fan? And we can put people into categories. But really, when push comes to shove, right, we can still sit down together. Most of us. 
But think globally. Think you've seen other cultures, right? You've, and maybe even experienced it personally. What are the categories of people where if one member of a group is walking down the sidewalk and sees the opposite group coming towards him, he'll literally cross to the other side of the street to avoid getting too close. That's the kind of oil and water categories we're talking about. Or you read in the newspaper, or sorry, online, on the news blog, that last night there was this catastrophe on the other side of the world and a whole group of people were wiped out by some military strike or some natural disaster. And something in the back of your mind goes... Good riddance. That's the kind of categories that we're talking about that God draws from to say, no, these oil and water categories, these black and white divisions, these are the things that are brought together to comprise the body of Christ. How? He says, because of the Holy Spirit, the power of this Spirit And the work of Christ that we've just celebrated on the cross, these are the things that make it possible for black and white to come together and work as one. We recognize that even in doing that, somehow, these parts don't lose their unique identity. And so Paul says, yes, you're unique. But you're part of a bigger whole. And so in your uniqueness, you don't get to opt out. The foot doesn't get to say, I'm taking a vacation today. I don't need the rest of you. I don't want to be an I. I don't really like being an I. I wish I could be something else. No. Somehow God does this miraculous work where through the cross, he takes these different parts, puts them together, and says, you are now one. And as long as you are a member of this body, a part of a bigger whole, you bring glory to Christ because, well, because only God does that sort of a thing. How does this happen? How do these parts come together? Verse 18 says, after talking about these different parts, as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? God arranged as he chose. Why are some of his feet and some of us are hands and some of us are eyelashes? Because God arranged it that way. Because God chose the part according to to verse 18, to put in the place that it needed to be. And you might be that part. And it's it's common in in our church and in sort of our uh, tradition to talk about God choosing, but usually it's in the sense of salvation, right? Ephesians 1, God chose us before the foundations of the world, or, or Peter talks about being a chosen race, we, choose, we talk about God choosing when we talk about God taking dead things and making them alive. And that's good and that's proper. But have you ever considered God's choosing doesn't stop there? God doesn't just choose for salvation, although he does. He also chooses for a purpose. 
And so he puts us within the body of Christ to accomplish this purpose so that God doesn't just save us and then leave us alone to say, someday heaven will get here, we just got to get through it. God's redemptive plan is so much bigger and so much more powerful and so much more all-encompassing that he would actually say, no, when God saves us, he makes us as individuals, part of a bigger whole. And as a member of the body of Christ, you're here for a reason. You're here to play a part. And I know that some of you are, are arguing with me in your heads because all of us can be that way. We can say, I don't fit. I don't have a part. I don't have a role. I don't know what I'm doing here. I have nothing to offer. And you know what? Sometimes our roles aren't as clear-cut as what do the fingers do? Or what do the earlobes do? What do the earlobes do? <laughs> I think they're just decorative. I'm not sure. But God does not save you to leave you alone. He baptizes you in His Spirit. And all of us are baptized into that same Spirit, according to Paul. And so that same Spirit, get this, is the same Spirit that every believer down through history has been baptized into. And so when Jesus took that ragtag group of never heard of apostles and said, I'm going to get some fishermen and I'm going to get an IRS agent, and I'm going to get a religious zealot, and I'm going to get a bunch of guys that build with their hands and get dirty all day long, and I am going to take the gospel to the world through those guys. He baptized them with the spirit that we are baptized with. And so when we look at how God accomplishes things, it's the same way today as it was then. By us putting our faith in that same Jesus so that His Spirit will work out the same plan through us that it's been doing for 2,000 years and even before. And so what do our differences tell us? The fact that we don't look like one another, we don't act like one another, we don't think like one another. They tell us we really ought not to be depending on what we do and what we think and what, how we act, but we really ought to be depending on that God who chose us and saved us and arranged us into this thing called the body of Christ. Because if we were just looking at ourselves to do it, we'd get nowhere. But if we're looking at God to do it, we can go anywhere He needs us to go. Being a member of the body of Christ should magnify that dependence on God because as He's assigned us a place, we have to trust Him to do the work. Of course, the opposite is also true. To, to sit by and, and refuse to get engaged in the body of Christ is to say, I don't trust God to do what He said He would do. But do you trust the God of grace to save a wretched sinner like you? 
If you do, then you need to trust the God of grace to use a wretched sinner like you to accomplish his purpose as part of a body, as part of a bigger whole. And it's tempting to think, okay, I can depend on God. I know God. He does cool stuff. He does miracles. He does all of history. He does that amazing thing with the whole resurrection. I can depend on God. It's the one sitting next to me that I have a little problem with. Because this one's a little different than me, and it makes me a little uncomfortable to think that maybe God would expect me to depend on her. But God doesn't put us here just to depend one-on-one. Remember? We're parts, but we're one God. I'm one body, trusting in one God. And so, not only should we be depending on God, but the differences that we see should be part of our dependence on one another. In fact, Paul says, verse 21, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. It doesn't work that way. Each part of the body is dependent on every other part in one way or another. And he says some parts that are considered less useful or less honorable or the parts that we don't want other people to see, those are the parts that we actually give special honor to and special protection to. We take steps to protect certain parts of our body. It works the same in our physical body as it does in the spiritual body. Look, if I had a rock that I took out of my pocket and I threw it at you as hard as I could, I'm guessing we would all have a similar response and it would look something like this. Right? Somewhere this little process would go on where the eyes would say there is a hard object hurtling at us rapidly, and if it strikes, it will do damage. Call up the hands, call up the arms, put them into action, cause the back and the neck to shrink, and and cause the torso to tense, and we would do all these things, and we wouldn't even think about it. It would just happen. The parts work together to protect those parts that are more sensitive, easier hurt. The parts work together, sometimes to sacrifice one for another. The parts work together and it'd be great if it were that easy. (laughs) That we could actually act in that much of a reflex without thinking about it, right? It's the body of Christ. This is where we come to depend. Continuing on, Down our our text, verse 24 says, But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. So God has taken these diverse parts that are unique in their own ways, and he's put them together, why? To create one with no division. And so that each part can care for another in some way. God has so designed the body of Christ that one part serves another just like one part of our physical body serves another. It should shape the way that we think about what we're doing. 
It should shape the, th- the, the, the answer to the question, why are you here? Literally, why are you here? Are you here to be served or are you here to serve? Are you here to get what you can from the other parts and go home? Or are you here to give what those other parts need as all one body? What can the ear do for me today? Are you an eye thinking, you know, if the legs and the feet would just get their act together and move over a little, I'd see better? Hmm. Sure, there are times when that needs to happen. When one part needs to say to another part, I could do my job better if you would pitch in. But sometimes, I'm the one not pitching in. And I need to be on the lookout. My prayer, as I've, as I've worked through this text, and I've, my prayer has been that God will renew our minds, and it, it may happen in a morning instantly, it may happen gradually over time, but that God will renew our minds to think differently about why we are part of this body, of the body, so that we can think how do I serve as God would have me serve? And, and who's depending on me to do that service? How do I fill my role so that the rest of the body will be nourished? Because Paul rounds out his analogy here in, 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 the, in the text as thinking, well, what if everybody was just an ear? And as he says, if, if everybody were an ear, we'd have no smell. I mean, sense of smell. <laughs> if, if everybody were an eye, we'd have no taste. If everybody were a foot, we'd have no fingers. And you get the idea. We can't all be the same. Because if we're all the same, we just have a pile of toes. We don't have a body. So praise God that we're not all ears or feet or arms or whatever, and that God has given each of us a wide variety of gifts. Some of us can teach, some can sing, some of us are good with kids. Some of us are willing to get up earlier than the rest so that these chairs can get set up. And some of us, there's all sorts of things that we do. What sort of a member, a part, are you? How has God equipped you? What, what gifts has He given you? What skills, what skills might you learn? If God has made us to depend on one another, your brothers and sisters are depending on you to play a part. And when you're not a part, they're missing something. There is a little bit of a caution I want to give you. And as you, as you think about this whole idea of, okay, I want to find my place, and I want to serve, and I want to be engaged, there is a caution you need to be aware of. In fact, it's not just a caution. There is a lie lurking under the surface of this whole thing. And it's a lie that, 
that the devil loves to whisper to say, hey, you know what? If you will go to that church and get engaged in a way that fits who you are, you're set. And, and that might sound to our ears, well, isn't that what you're telling me? You've been saying for the, ne- the last 15 minutes you need to be a part. You're right. But being a part in the sense of playing a role doesn't make you a part in the sense of being a member of the body of Christ. And it's actually easy. The more diverse a group is, the more you can just walk in the door and say, hey, I'm just going to be here. I'm going to look good by doing a good thing, and I'm good with God. It doesn't work that way. It's sort of a reverse bodybuilding, and that's not how God works. And so I want to caution you that if your goal is to find a role so that you can be good with God, you got it backwards. What makes us a part of the body of Christ is the faith that opens our eyes to see who Jesus is so that, so that we understand we don't have anything to offer Jesus or to offer back to God on our own apart from Christ. And so first we have to come to Jesus on his terms, right? Terms that that say we're incapable of bringing anything to the table on our own because of the state that we are found in. And only then does God baptize us in that spirit that makes us one in Christ. But if you want to work your way in through the stage door to play a role on at the front of, of the crowd, you will have a sad day coming. And so if you don't know what this means to first know Jesus and trust Jesus and understand who He is, then I urge you, before you dive into a role, or maybe after you've already dived in, you need to have a conversation with somebody you trust that understands who this Jesus is and how this unity of a body is brought about. God first makes us in His image, each of us individually. And then when He saves His his work of supernatural death to life allows us to be then supernaturally arranged in part of a bigger whole. And you can't get it out of order. It doesn't work. And then God takes these very different people who are very unique and says, all of you are one in Christ. Live like you are one in Christ. Depend on one another as if you needed the other parts, because you do. And depend on me, because I'm the one that puts it all together to make it work. And, and Kishwaukee Bible Church is a very diverse group. And of course, part of a larger body of Christ, which is even more diverse. And so we should look around and we should see this, this diversity and it should cause us to marvel when Paul says, now you are the body of Christ. And individually, 
members of that body. And so, we're all members of a body, and yet we all somehow are individuals. And so, what does it look like to put this into practice? What does it look like to say, how can I as an individual be part of a bigger whole, to be part of what God is doing? Well, let me first encourage you to have an open, honest conversation with God. Pray. Literally, talk to God. Ask God to show you who you are and why you're here and what gifts you bring to the table. And as part of the conversation, ask God to reveal your heart. Do I come to serve or to be served? And when you ask God to show you your heart in that kind of a way, He will. Because He's that kind of a God. But let me also challenge you, even as you're doing that, to be honest about some of your biases. We all come with them. We all have preconceived notions about which part is the most valuable. And strangely, it often tends to be the part we think we fit. Just because that's part of our fleshly nature. But... Even in thinking about, are you a most valuable part or a least valuable part? No matter how you answer that question, you're wrong. Because <laughs> a most valuable part and a least valuable part means nothing in God's economy. You see, which is the most important hand that I have? Well, if, if you could remove my hand, you would find out that it's useless to you. A hand on its own does nothing. It's just a lying there useless hand. The only reason that either of my hands is useful is because they're part of my body. And so the other parts, the brain and the nerves and the blood and all that stuff works together in really incredible ways to make my hands function. So it is with the body of Christ. The only reason that any part of us is valuable is because we are attached to Christ. And so you take a part and you hold it up in isolation and you say, is this more valuable than another? No, because apart from Christ, it's dead. It's as useful as a severed hand. Sorry. But it's us being united to Christ that gives us our value. And in Christ, we are of infinite worth. Hmm. So as you're thinking about that, let me also push you a little bit to think more dependently. We love our independence. We celebrated it this last week, and that's a good thing. But independence doesn't work in the body of Christ. Dependence is the way God orchestrated this thing to work. And so before you charge ahead on your own, who else might you invite to walk alongside you? Are you aware that others are depending on you? They are, whether you're aware of it or not. And so when you disengage from the body, or never got engaged in the first place, yes, you 
are being shortchanged, but more importantly, your brothers and sisters are being shortchanged. Think dependently. Think others are depending on me. Here's some just practical ideas. And I can't point you to the verse that says this is how to do it. This is just things I've observed from my own experience. When it comes to different people trying to get along, differences breed conflict. It happens. He doesn't do it the way that he's supposed to do it. Everybody knows you put the knife on the right side, not the left side. But I was raised to put the knife on the left side. And yes, there is an American cultural answer to that question. But we can get more hung up on whether he's answering the question the right way than why do we need the knife there in the first place? <laughs> Differences breed conflict. Here's a, a really great thing that God has done to help us deal with conflict because we're going to have it. He's given us two things the world doesn't have. He's given us his word. Because the culture around us, they look at conflict and they turn and walk away because they don't know how to answer the questions, right? Which side does the knife go on? You pick. That's the cultural answer because they don't have a foundation of truth. <coughs> we do. We have the Word of God, and so we can look to it and we can say, for certain kinds of conflicts, there are real answers that God has given us. And we can go to the Word and we can say, is there a God answer to this question? Because that should be the place we start. Secondly, not just the Word, God has given us His Spirit. We were all baptized into one Spirit. Remember that? His Spirit, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit, is to lead us into truth. It's part of the job of the Holy Spirit. And so we can look at the Word and we can say, is it a black and white question that God can answer? And if it's not, can we pray that God will grant us, through His Spirit, a resolution to this conflict that we have? And He will. Just in a practical sense, these kinds of, of questions that might come up from time to time need to be talked about. I'm not sure that she's doing it the right way. Okay, don't go sulk in the corner or don't go post it. Go talk to her. <laughs> because sometimes the differences are there and we're just not being honest about the fact that they're there. I would encourage you even as you do that, as you see the differences that get played out on a day-to-day -day basis, assume the best. Assume the best. Allow God to be working in the lives of others and assume that he didn't do it to offend you, but that he did it because he thought it was the way that he was supposed to serve. And if it wasn't the right way to serve, let him know about it gently without jumping to the conclusion that he was there to just annoy you. <laughs> and one other practical suggestion. Work together. I know that sounds sort of trite. If you've ever been part of a retreat or a camp or any exercise where you're put together with people you don't know and it's uncomfortable and it's awkward, 
One of the best ways to build unity in the group is to go after a task together, right? So you go out and you scale the wall or you, you build a tower or you go serve down at the soup kitchen or whatever it is. But it's amazing how getting your hands dirty and getting into the mud a little bit with people that you don't know all that well or don't feel comfortable with will suddenly show you how you can work together and how the differences that you're seeing on the surface don't matter that much compared to the unity that you have underneath. When I, um, when I left home this morning, I had on this little flag pin, one of these little lapel things, you know, and I, and I had it when I got here, and then I took it off because it occurred to me that a lot of us would appreciate a flag pin on the weekend after the 4th of July. It's just a way to continue the celebration of God's grace to us in America. It's a cool thing. But there may be some that would look at that and go, well, that's sort of inappropriate at a worship service. I mean, isn't that sort of almost bordering on idolatry to have a, an icon of some other thing other than what we're worshiping this morning? And it occurred to me, there might be some here who would be bothered by it. So I took it off. And then it occurred to me, well, there's an illustration right there. (laughs) How we're going to look at the same thing very differently. And some of us are going to look at the little flag pin and be encouraged and think, that's really kind of neat. And some of us are going to look at the little flag pin and go, that just doesn't seem right. Living dependently means thinking about those things. How will my brother and sister see this thing that I'm going to do? And is there a way I can do it that won't cause them to stumble? And if not, is it something we need to talk about so that they understand the heart behind it, that it's just a fun way to celebrate, that it's not meant to worship the flag or the nation or any of those things? Think about these things. Ask the question, how can I live dependently knowing people are depending on me? To that end, I would invite you to pray with me. Father God, you have indeed made us each unique. And in some ways, that's fun and exciting as we see how people are different. But in some ways, God, that's hard. Because as you've made us unique, you've also brought us together in Christ. Father, I pray that you would unite us around Christ. Allow your spirit to knit us together in a way that there aren't divisions. That our differences don't lead to divisions. But that our differences cause people to look and marvel at what God has done. Lord, would you work this out in us, apply this truth to our hearts that we might be changed to look more like Christ for your glory. Amen. Thank you for joining us. For more information about our church, please visit our church's website at kishbible.org. That's K-I-S-H-Bible dot O-R-G.